Insights professionals and businesses know that storytelling is critical. There are two main reasons why storytelling is so important in a work setting. One, storytelling can make a topic interesting. Imagine you walk into that meeting on a topic that you think is really boring, but someone somehow incorporates a personal anecdote to sort of make it come alive. A second reason that people can use storytelling is to build empathy and ultimately inspire others. In those cases, often you are hearing about real personal challenges or deeper emotional stories that not only make you think differently about a subject or a person, but inspire you to actually take action. That business is about people. And if we want to make the difference, we have to connect to people where they resonate. And that's with stories. Today, in this episode, we'll talk about the importance of sharing personal anecdotes in business. We'll talk about how to create your own storytelling library and other tips and tricks for incorporating personal stories into your work. This is Digging for Insights, the marketing research podcast for insights professionals and businesses looking to deeply understand their customers so they can grow. I'm Stephen Griffiths, a Fortune 500 corporate researcher. Join me as we talk with experts about inspiring case studies, career advice, and research methods that will lead to growth. Today, I'm excited to welcome Victor Barbella. Victor has a lot of experience with storytelling as a coach and as a speaker, and I'm super excited to welcome him to the podcast. Victor, welcome. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel very honored to be part of this, so thanks for inviting me. Glad to have you here as well. Could you start off by telling the audience a little bit about your background and why storytelling is something that you spend a lot of time doing? I, I think that storytelling has always just naturally been part of my life. I wanted from an early, early age to be an actor. So actors are storytellers, as we know. And I think that's what drew me into it was watching. I used to watch a lot of TV as a kid. So I love this idea that there was this thing that would come into my life for about 30 minutes and take me on this little mini journey and made me laugh or make me smile and entertain me. And that was a big part of it. you know. And I also grew up, my dad would tell me stories at night before I went to bed and he would make them up. So <laughs> with my dad too, there was this kind of a, a kind of a warped sense of humor and a sense of fun and play. So stories were just all around me. And, and as I grew into an adult, I wanted to be an actor. That was part of it. Being a musician was part of it. And then it became part of my, part of my teaching, which was also a career path that I've been on throughout most of my life. I love your examples of how stories have been with you even since childhood. And I think they have for all of us, right? Stories are what stick in our minds and make things memorable. Could you talk a little bit about your current work? Obviously, you're not don't do just theater and you do consulting and coaching. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? I have done, as I said, arts workshops. I work with global leaders all over the world. I do coaching in a, in a few different forms. Primarily, I do a lot of coaching work with groups or, or individuals that are presenting. So I work with them on the presentation itself, how they're coming across, and sometimes really embedding stories in that to really bring it to life and make it come alive. I also am a speaker. I just had the honor and pleasure about three months ago to speak in Brazil at an international symposium at the Einstein Hospital. And my topic was on storytelling and how to bring story into business for more effective interactions. 
That's a great opportunity. Yeah, very exciting. I'm excited you can bring that expertise. I know our audience here, a lot of us are marketing researchers or at least involved in business. And whether we're pitching to our boss, to a director, to someone who's going to fund our company, storytelling is is huge. And so I'm really excited to hear about some of your your expertise in that area. You know, transitioning into that, I think before you mentioned there's sort of three main steps that you use when you are coaching and consulting with other folks. Could you talk us through those of how to be a better storyteller? One of the first things I I talk to people about or one of the first things I like to ask is why do you want to tell stories so that I can help mm. them find the best way to tell a story or the best kind of story to tell because there's thousands of kinds of stories you can use or a particular kind of story that tells a patient or a consumer perspective. Sometimes they'll just want personal stories. So that's the first thing I do is try to understand why and what it is they're looking for. And then once I can understand that, what I try to do with the individuals and the what, the people who want to become better storytellers is I work with them in three areas. One is with resources so that they can gather more resources to be a better storyteller and create their own storytelling library, so to speak. The next area is what I call relevance so that this helps people find the right story for that audience that they're going to be speaking to or that scenario that they're going to be speaking in. And you want to make sure that the story speaks well to that purpose and to those people, because that's when it'll have the greatest impact. And then the last piece that I work with people on is what I like to call the storytelling recipe. And that's literally the techniques and the tools that can help you bring a story to life so that you're not just standing there telling it as a simple narrative or telling it with the same kind of delivery that we often share data and information. Stories require a little bit more what I like to call expressiveness or a little bit more sense of, of drama to really take people on that journey. You mentioned that first step in terms of resources mm-hmm. and sort of having a, an archive. Did I hear you right about stories? Could you tell us more about that? What, what does that look like? It's, it's one of the things that I think can, be, can feel daunting for people because when I say create an archive or, or an arsenal or whatever metaphor you want to use, I, I like to use library. Immediately, I think people start to wonder, well, how am I going to have the time to really find the stories and unearth the stories or gather them? But really, it can be much quicker than you think. So what I like to do is take people through a series of prompts to just get them thinking about moments from their life. And this is for personal stories. Now, again, I did say that there's different kinds of stories you can tell. So I also like to work with them on the kinds of stories they would need to use. So for instance, if they might have to have a business story, I would ask them if they have a a time when they either lost or gained a promotion as a great story to tell in overcoming a challenge or experiencing a triumph. I might ask them what was an injustice that they might have experienced which is usually a good prompt, a moment in your life when you experienced injustice. Another prompt that I like to use is when have you gotten an unexpected gift in your life? So as you come up with these almost visceral, immediate responses, you can just jot them down. And what I usually say to people is jot down the first thing that comes to mind, go back and fill in a few details around that memory or that moment. That's your storytelling library. And you start to just build those moments let's say between eight and 10 of those, I think you've got a great storytelling library. You know, people don't have to have 30, 40, 50, hundreds of stories. We do. And I would 
really like to get people to understand that they have all those, but you don't have to work on getting them into a library. If you have about 10 stories, they can cover a lot of ground in business because stories can demonstrate values and learnings across different issues and topics. So you could use one story that could be very relevant for three or four different issues or themes going on in business. It's interesting what you're talking about. It reminds me of interview preparation. So coming out of my MBA program, advice they give to everyone is saying, you know, have a a set number of sort of star stories um, that you can use in interviews. And that's exactly what they say is that, you know, you could have multiple questions and use the same story in a different way to answer different scenarios. And so that sounds like similar to what you're talking about as well. Exactly. I wanted to build up a little bit. I, I would imagine a lot of people would think, wait a minute, telling personal stories in a business meeting or in a sales presentation <laughs> sounds really weird. Could you talk any examples or people you've worked with that have been able to make that successful? I think a lot of people might be uncomfortable with that. Yeah, you're spot on. Exactly, Stephen, because most people are uncomfortable with that. People don't always see the fact that there there can be relevance or that they're related or the efficacy of doing that. There have been a couple of times I would say that, that this has stood out for me where it really turned things around. One was about, I would say maybe five years ago, I was working with uh, TEDx speakers from a pharmaceutical company and very scientific speakers, of course. And one gentleman in particular was talking about cancer screening and treatment. That was his idea for his TED Talk. And all the data was great. All the information was there, but it felt really flat. And I kept saying, I need to care about this. If you can help me care about it, it'll be different. And as we were just talking in the coaching, he told me that his wife was going through cancer treatments. And I said, that's what I need to hear. That's what I really want to know. And he wound up telling the story about driving his wife to her treatment. This made a difference and why he wanted to change the way we approach it. Wow. I think it's that personalization that turns it around for people. Similarly, I was working with a group that was presenting to an executive board another time talking about macular degeneration. And they had vision tools and procedures that were their, their recommendation. And one of the things that I learned as I was coaching again was that one of the members of the team, his father has macular degeneration and so does my father. And what he did was so amazing because I'll, and I'll never forget it because it helped me understand my father. They added a slide and he told the story. Um, He showed two slides. One was of a soccer team playing clear and bright, was just perfect. And then he brought another one in And it was grainy and blurry and dark, and it was really hard to see what was going on at all. And he said, this is my son's soccer team, and this is what I see with the first slide. And then when the second slide came in, he said, and when I bring my father to see his grandson play, this is what he sees. And this is what it's like for people with macular degeneration. And I just remember, like, it really choked me up because I finally understood what my father goes through. So I think if if people can understand that it is a risk, but the impact is so, we are so grateful for it in the audience, they'd be willing to take the risk. I think sometimes in business, we forget that we're all people, we're all emotional beings, yeah. and we just want to stick to the facts. And I know I've been touched when people have shared personal stories, and even as you're sharing some of these stories, and I think there's a lot of value to that of bringing more humanity into business, and then people are more willing to act on what you have to say. Oh, that's completely right. It's about the humanity of it. Because in my experience, I don't, I don't think that we really make the decisions based on the rationale that we receive. 
you know, we do need the information. We need the data. Of course, we need all that. All those things are important for bottom line, but it's the emotional, the emotionality and hitting us in the heart. Those are the things that stay with us. I think that's completely right. We do forget that business is about people. And if we want to make the difference, we have to connect to people where they resonate. And that's with stories. You know, one of the things I I shared in the speaking event is that we're so hardwired for stories. We're just so wanting stories that oftentimes we will make up stories if we only get partial data. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That really is. And I think you often have to be aware if you're presenting partial information, what effect that can have as well. Yeah, completely. This is the way I like to think about it and the way I posed it to my audience. How many times have you been in public and you look at someone and you've already made up a story about who that person is? I was actually standing behind someone in Starbucks about a month ago and I just looked at his watch that I admired and his shoes that I kind of liked. And I thought, oh, okay. And I had a whole profile on who he was and where he was going and the kind of things he was doing. So we're already starting to make up stories. <laughs> you know, like, isn't that fascinating? And we'll, we'll do that. Wow. Wow. So I, I love this. It sounds like this is sort of the first big piece is, hey, stories are important. They have emotional impact and put together a quick library. And I like your example of eight to 10 examples. Have a few prompts. You mentioned some really good ones and just write them down to potentially use in many different situations later on. Could you talk a little bit about the second bucket was sort of on relevance? So thinking about how the stories apply to a situation, how do you coach people to think about which stories are right for which situations? A business story, it's a lot simpler. For example, if they're talking about uh, risk and I prompt them to think about when was there a, cha- a time in your career, in your job where you had to take a risk? Was it working on a project, working with a team? Was it in a career choice, taking a job, not taking a job? So those prompts are, it's a little easier to see the links because they're more direct. What I love to do is take people a little bit further. And when I get them to tell the personal story, which is something you mentioned before, I ask them to think of it in two ways. And they can start with the business need first. And then I ask them, what is the issue or the topic that they have to talk about? So let's stick with the idea of risk since I mentioned that. I would ask them then, what do they want to say about risk? Is there a kind of a headline or a bumper sticker kind of a thing that they'd want to say about that topic? Because risk is broad, it's general, and you want to start general. And then the headline is where you narrow it down, where you figure out, What are you really trying to say to this audience? What do you want them to leave thinking about or acting on? And once they come up with the headline, and let's say the headline is, we need to take greater risks so that we can be more out in the market. Then I ask them to think about a moment in their life where they took a bigger risk and what was the outcome of that? And that becomes one of those prompts where, you know, it could be any kind of series of prompt that I work with. Was there a moment from childhood where you took a risk? When was the last time you took a risk and it paid off? When was the last time you took a risk and it didn't pay off? Anything like that. And we start to brainstorm those moments. And that's one way to work. Other way is to start with a great story. And some people have just fantastic stories. You know, they've done triathlons or they've climbed mountains or they have, that is a great story to tell. And if you have the story itself, then when I start to ask them about are, what are the things you learned from that? What are the issues, the values, the lessons that you learned about? Uh, I could give you another example. I have a skydiving story that I've used. Love to hear it. (laughs) Um, I went skydiving when I was in my 30s and went with a group of friends. 
went through the entire training, weather changed. They told us they would not take us up. We had to reschedule and come back. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to go back. I don't think I'm going to take a chance again. You know, I think that's the universe saying, don't do this. But (laughs) we all decided to go back. I wound up being the first one they took up out of a group of eight of us. You know, with that entire experience, I learned a ton of lessons. I learned about perseverance. I learned about commitment. I learned about support and teamwork. I experienced camaraderie. I experienced the idea of taking a big risk to get a big reward. So once you start to brainstorm all those ideas, then you look at all those issues and topics and think, okay, is there any place in my day-to-day or in my upcoming presentations, meetings, where I might need to speak to one of these? Wow, this is great. So sounds like put some prompts together, come up with your eight or 10 stories, then think about the many places they could apply within business settings, whether it's personal stories or, or business stories. And then you mentioned that last bucket was sort of the tips and tricks, uh, techniques that you recommend people use. Could you highlight a few of those, maybe some of the more common issues that people face that we could think about? I think we all know them. You know, I, I think, and, and this is why we love theater and we love film and TV, and we love to see stories told really well. And part of that telling of making them come to life is adding the sense of emotion, the thing that you talked about earlier, because that's what's going to keep us connected. Because the things that stories do, I'm just going to take a a slight diverge off the path for a moment. The thing that stories do so effortlessly and brilliantly is they connect us to each other. I don't know if you're a fan of Brene Brown, but she talks about the fact that we're neurobiologically hardwired to connect. Interesting. As a species, that's what we're here to do. And that's what they do so instantly because of that human factor. And once they connect us, we care differently about each other. Once I know a little bit about you personally, I know who you are, it changes our relationship. It's not, it's no longer transactional. It's been transformed and we're more committed. We're not just working out of compliance. It's changed compliance to commitment. And, and the last thing that stories do is they, they bring us a gift. You know, they bring us these insights, they help us learn, they make us laugh, they might make us cry because they have that impact. When I get to the, what you call the tips and tricks, or I call it the recipe, I really like to make people think about telling it expressively. The way children tell stories, if you have, you have children, right? So I do. Yes, I know. So how much do you love to hear your children tell you stories? Super fun. I completely agree. They're totally enthralled in what they have to say. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it is. They're enthralled in what they have to say. You become enthralled in what they have to say. So because they're so in the moment and they're so real and they're fearless in their capacity to express it and be in it and not apologize for it, that's what hooks us. So one of the things I work with people on is really using their voice and their body expressively. And part of that is, can they show me an emotion rather than tell me what it is? Oh, interesting. Because if I tell you a story, for example, and I tell you about stepping outside that plane and hanging under the wing before I let go for my first skydive, and I tell you I was scared, it's very different than showing you something seeing my face, hearing something in my voice, and me not naming the emotion. And the other reason I think that's stronger is because then I'm showing you something and you get to plug in your own interpretation of that. Mm. 
part of what you want to do as a storyteller is give your audience the story. So if I tell you I'm scared, that's what you get. If I show you an emotion and give you an emotion with my voice, you might think, oh my God, he's terrified. Somebody else in the audience might think, oh, he's worried. Somebody else might think, wow, he's really angry. You know, they might think a lot of different things and that's okay. So those are two of the things I work on. The other thing that I, that I, I like to get people to think about is sensory detail. You know, I mean, there's other techniques, but those three can make a big difference. Can you describe something that you're seeing or hearing or tasting? Because those kinds of sensory details are what surround us all day long, every day, and we live in them and we love them. And it's interesting because I, I sometimes say we live in color, but we speak in black and white. Huh. Especially true in business, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is especially <laughs> true in business. And to some degree, it is what's almost required in business because when we want facts and data, we don't want the emotional attachment to them, which is really a challenging thing to do to begin with because we always feel a certain way about what we're talking about. There's a feeling behind what we're saying. So even though we're trying to be very logical and rational and, and not attached to emotion when we're sharing facts and data, sometimes it can come out. But with a story, you really do need that. You really want that. So you want to be able to speak in color and bring that color into the story. Wow. So the techniques you mentioned are really good, right? I do think there's a lot of people that are maybe speaking monotone, but when they get home and they're telling a big story, it's usually something more animate than that. And so you're saying, you know, use your voice, use your actions or facial expressions to really tell a story um, more effectively. Are there any tips you have for people practicing this kind of stuff? I would imagine not everyone's super comfortable with just writing down something in their story library and then sharing that immediately in front of an executive board. No, that's a really smart question. Thank you for bringing that up because I would also recommend that you do practice it. You're right. And you shouldn't tell a story unless you have gone through it and have practiced it and feel comfortable because just like we're experts in data in business and we know the data and we know our field of, of expertise, that is something that becomes just part of our, our everyday, of our fabric. But when you tell a story, it might be very different for some of you to tell stories in business. So I never recommend telling a story that you haven't practiced. One of the things I actually do try to get people to think about is tell the story to children. Oh, the story is if you were going to tell it to eight or nine-year-olds, because they're savvy enough to get details, they're clear enough that if you bore them, they're going to walk away. They're not going to stay engaged. Uh, <laughs> so true. Yeah, right. And And yet... If you do give them even just a little bit of emotion, a little bit of expression and that sense of you being enthralled, I, I like that word that you use. Even if you give them a little bit of that, they'll stay with you. And I think it's a good practice. I'm not saying that you want to go back in and treat your board members like eight-year-olds, although <laughs> um, sometimes you, know, you can appeal to the eight-year-old in the people in the room because that's also the part of us that loves the story. But that's a good practice for getting out of your shell and saying, okay, instead of imagining my audience in the boardroom, practice it with your children or friends or tell it as if you're telling it in a, you're having a drink with some friends in a bar and you're a little loosened up. And that looseness and that expressiveness and kind of expansion of your presence, that you can bring back to work. And it'll come It'll probably narrow down a little bit because you're back in business setting, but you will have expanded it to where it's going to be stretched. And that's what you want. That makes sense. 
Uh, it's so interesting as I hear you say these things. Partly, I wish I had heard these things earlier because they're really good tips and tricks. And it also, once again, reminds me of uh, back in the interviewing days coming out of MBA. And I think most people coming out of business school are trained to tell stories. One of the acronyms I liked if you're telling a business story is CAR. So context, action, results. And yeah. just, you know, context, a sentence of, hey, what's the background of the story? Action, the things that you specifically did. And I love your idea of maybe painting a little bit more context and color to bring it to life to people as you do that. And then the results. I think a lot of times in business stories, they want to say, did it grow the business? Did it have an impact? What decisions were different because of the work that you did? And sort of having a framework and maybe writing down a few bullet points of what those key points you want to hit on really helped me in telling business stories a lot more effectively. And I I practiced hours before I'd actually get into an interview. Wow. Exactly to your point about not um, just coming up with it on the spot. I think a lot of people can. I graduated in the recession and it was very competitive and I needed to <laughs> really have my A game, right? Wasn't any room, yeah. but um, I, I love these tips. I wish I had had them earlier in terms of really taking storytelling seriously because I think you're absolutely right. It can have such a huge impact. Well, I think you've got a great instinct. I mean, already just the fact that you practice and you know yourself well enough to say, you know, I don't want to have wing it. I'm, I'm not the kind of person who may like to wing it or feels comfortable doing that. I think that's important. And even again, even for people who are practiced, comfortable speakers, uh, and I take, I take this advice myself, I recommend practicing your story. And I learned the hard way, I will say this, because there, there are some of the work that I do is also with other training companies that do similar work around communications, or it could be storytelling. And I hadn't worked on a story and I had to lead an opening plenary session. And I decided, oh, okay, oh. I, I, know the, I know the incident that I'm going to use. And it was about an audition. And I took what I was trying to model was a 90-second story that went on for three minutes oh. because I really had not taken the time to do what it is I teach. So I'm totally with you there. It's really important. <laughs> Although I'd say you're pretty engaging in three minutes, I don't think is bad. I've been in practice interviews with other people where it goes on for seven minutes and that feels like forever. So I, <laughs> but makes sense. You need practice either yeah, way, right? You do. And you also brought up one other point that I wanted to mention, which is smart. You mentioned writing down bullets and I do recommend people want to write down whatever that may be, the sensory details, the bullets, the emotion of that moment, just so it's in their mind, you know, a few short phrases around, okay, this happened, then this happened, then I said this. You can write down quotes if you want to speak directly about what you said or someone else said. But what I never recommend is writing the story out word for word and memorizing mm. it. I've had participants who only feel comfortable doing that, or I've worked with clients as a coach who really only feel comfortable doing it. And what happens is, Written story has a very different feel and sound than spoken story when we're just trying to get the audience to feel as though we're telling it on the spot. And that just creates a bigger hurdle for you. So I recommend bullets, phrases, ideas, symbols, drawings, if you like, but not scripting everything yeah. out. That's a really good point. So it's interesting before launching this podcast, I listen to a lot of podcasts regularly and there are some people out there who actually script the entire oh. podcast and read it verbatim. And I actually think a lot of people do that. The good ones, it doesn't sound like they're reading right. from a script. The, the not so good ones, it sounds like from a script and it's really hard to listen to a podcast for, you know, it doesn't sound personal, doesn't sound spontaneous. It sounds like they're just reading a little more robotically. So I completely agree with you that, you know, keeping it live, keeping it real, adjusting on the fly is 
a huge piece of what keeps us engaged as people, yes, I think. Completely agree. Thank you. Well, cool. You mentioned some of the other consulting things you did. Could you talk a little bit more about what you do professionally now and some of the work that you do and, and the organizations that you work with? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I did mention that I do work as a speaker and I do work as a coach. That's my own work. And then depending on other organizations, because I've been an independent contractor as an actor, you you kind of are birthed into that lifestyle. And I think I've always wanted to kind of stay in that lifestyle. So I found other organizations that are that are great at also training people and working with people in communications or in how they show up in leadership or executive presence. Uh, one of them is called Ariel Group, which is based outside of Boston, Massachusetts. They are, oh my gosh, they've been around for probably 25, 26 years maybe even a little bit longer, and very well-respected, highly regarded organization in the training and development world. They have been known as The Presence Company, uh, and, and I've been with Ariel for 13 years, actually delivering as one of their senior consultants, executive coaches, um, facilitators. And now Ariel has expanded a bit, and they do some communications work with writing, so they can take you from the written word to the presentation, presenting it and delivering it. There are two other organizations I work with that do culture change, and they go into organizations and really work on changing culture to be uh, to be more effective, work together better, and actually kind of break through whatever constraints there might be in terms of who are the thinkers, the doers, and the movers that need to be in place but may not have the titles at this point, and how can we begin to think of empowering them. So some of the work that I do with them is, it's interesting, it's also around communication, but it might be a little bit more around coaching people around their belief systems, how they show up, their confidence, and sometimes their content as well, in terms of pitching a great idea, if they do want to come across to senior leaders in a more effective and uh, to present themselves as a future resource, as a, as a leader of that organization. There's another organization that I work with on the West Coast called Visca, and a dear friend and colleague runs the organization similarly. Again, we work with communication, but also with the idea of creating and leaving impact. What is the impact that you're leaving? Hmm. And what kind of impact can you make in your own career path? How can you think about creating exactly the kind of impact you want to have so that you can get the executive director position and create a timeline for yourself? so that it's not just left to chance. You are doing the things that are necessary for your own success. So there's a lot of different ways people approach leadership. There's a lot of organizations out there. You know, there's another organization that does leadership based on leadership styles from Shakespeare. And yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, and other ones that do storytelling. There's one in Brooklyn called Narrative that works with people on getting them to tell their story. I think the tagline might be, what is your story or tell your story. So there's a number of places that do some great work. And I'm really, I'm privileged to be partnered with a few of them. It's so interesting hearing you say these things. You know, in this podcast, we have two sort of separate audiences. One are people who do marketing research uh, full-time. And typically you are not a decision maker if you have a title of 
consumer insights or analytics in your title. Usually you're supporting a different decision maker. And so storytelling is critical. And that's why I'm so glad you're mentioning this. What I love that you've just mentioned is that this isn't just marketing research people, obviously, who need to tell stories. (laughs) It's everyone. And I think just bringing that to life that like not only are you gainfully employed in helping people tell stories and helping with executive presence, but there's a whole industry out there. And I didn't quite realize the number of organizations out there that have done very well for many years in doing just that. Yeah, there really are. And and to your point, I agreed. It is for everybody. It really is for everybody. I just was in Atlanta last week working with a team of scientists uh, at a biotechnology company. Before that, I was in California working with scientists and healthcare professionals from another biotechnology pharma company. You know, I've worked with finance organizations in New York City a lot because I'm in the New York area, um, products and services. So you're right. It really is something for that everybody can make use of. Well, good. Well, Victor, this has been incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for your time and for, for sharing some of your tips and tricks. Could you talk us through how people can reach out to you in the future to learn more or if they want to work with you know, one of the organizations? Sure, mentioned? I'd be happy to. I uh, have a website. Uh, the company that I have myself is called Proscenium. Uh, Proscenium, just a little bit of a background, is the part of the stage that's closest to the audience, it comes out past the arch. That's sometimes called a proscenium arch. So the idea for proscenium for me was putting yourself in connection where you can have the most impact, creating that place where you can make the greatest or give the best performance that you can give in any interaction through your communication. So they can just go to www.proscenium, that's P R O. S like Sam, C-E-N-I-U-M.com. And they can find me there. I am also on LinkedIn and easily connectable there. And if you want to connect with me, I am happy to put you in touch with any of the organizations I work with. If you are in need of are looking for some culture change or shaking things up a little bit or the kind of impact you really want to make or some writing and presence work, I'm happy to put you in touch with Ariel or any of the organizations I work with. Oh, that's great. Well, good. And we have show notes for every one of these podcast episodes. So going to diggingforinsights.com um, also has, we'll list the um, resources you just mentioned so that if people, you know, driving their car <laughs> or washing dishes right now, they'll be able to go over there and and find out more about you because I do think this is a really valuable skill set and it seems like something that can really accelerate your career and help your business be more successful if you can really master the art of storytelling. Thank you, Stephen. This has been a pleasure. I am so, again, very honored, very flattered that you've given me this time and a chance to connect with you and tell my story about storytelling. So thanks. And that concludes my interview with Victor Barbella. I loved that conversation with him and for me, it really inspired a lot of deep thinking. Personally, I have seen storytelling make a really big difference, even in work settings. I remember several years ago when I first came to General Mills, at the time the company wasn't performing as hoped and morale was a little bit lower than usual. At that time, we had a big company meeting and our vice president of Consumer Insights, Janine Bassett, took to the stage. At that time, we were at an offsite venue and there were thousands of people in the audience waiting to hear what Janine had to say. What could she say that would make us think differently, even though times were tough for performance? I remember Janine shared a very personal story about growing up. As I recall, her mother worked and so didn't have the luxury of staying home and cooking a big meal and often simply getting food on the table that people would eat 
in a timely manner was a big challenge for them. And Janine shared how her mom relied on Hamburger Helper to make that happen. And what a big difference that product made for her family that didn't have as many resources as she has today and yet still has fond memories because of those experiences. At the end of her presentation, me and a lot of people in the audience were really touched. But logically, she hadn't said anything new. We all knew that Hamburger Helper was a General Mills product. We all knew that there were folks out there who were eating this product and many other products that we make. But emotionally, it really touched a chord for me and many of those in the audience. I realized that General Mills wasn't just a company trying to make money, but in a lot of ways was a company seeking to serve those who consume our products. We're trying to make food that people love. And for me, as a consumer insights professional, I realized that I had the unique opportunity to get to know folks who consume our products, including me and my family, and that the more I could learn about them and empathize what they go through, the better prepared I would be able to be to make product changes and new products that could better meet their needs. For me, that story was a pivotal change in my uh, stay at General Mills and is one of the reasons why I continue to stay at General Mills today. What stuck out to me from Janine's story were a couple of things. First, it was interesting to me that Janine was pretty vulnerable. Not everyone gets on a stage in front of thousands of people and tells a personal story from their childhood. It wasn't exactly like she was you know, fighting to have more fruits and vegetables or was playing a unique role as a hero for her family, but really was talking about how the product Hamburger Helper and her mom were the heroes that day and helping their family get what they needed. I realized that many good stories take a bit of vulnerability and they invite the audience to take a step closer with the speaker and taking more seriously the message that they have to share. As I think about that and the previous conversation with Victor today, I challenge everyone who's listening to this podcast to take stories a bit more seriously. I personally am resolving to choose one situation in the next two weeks where I can share a personal anecdote to either, as I mentioned before, make a less interesting topic more interesting and easier to follow, or find a way to share and develop empathy in the audience and ultimately motivate and inspire others to take action that they wouldn't otherwise take. I challenge you to do the same. Consider finding an opportunity in the next few weeks to try sharing a personal anecdote in a business setting. It might not be comfortable. You might have to think about a little bit of what you want to say and how, but even sharing a 90-second story can really make things come alive. And I'd like to invite you, once you have that opportunity, feel free to email me about your experience, stephen at diggingforinsights.com. This is not the only episode where we'll be talking about storytelling. And in the future, I would love, with your permission, to share some of the stories that you share with me on this podcast so that others can be equally inspired for how to incorporate personal stories into business settings. If you're interested in learning more about Victor and storytelling in general, I've included his contact information along with other resources available for storytelling on the show notes. And that's located at diggingforinsights.com. Until next time, I'm wishing you the best as you dig for insights that will grow your career and your business.